Hi everyone, I'm Christina Burnett, your host for the It's Natural podcast. And we're back with another episode. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. On today's episode with our guest, Melissa, I found this conversation to be really encouraging as she took her passion for reading romance novels, something that was a hobby and a reprieve for her and made it into a flourishing business and created a model all of her own. Melissa also took a dilemma that she was having in finding diverse voices in the stories she was reading and the authors she was reading from, especially in the romance novel genre, and used it as a pivotal focal point for mapping out her business and the books she wanted to bring to her book community. And I really related to Melissa and appreciated how she really kept it real by talking about the ups and downs that actually come from having your own business like with who to take advice from and how she avoids burnout and knowing when and what signs to look for when she's heading to that point. Also, what to look for when hiring a new employee. We also cover a wide range of topics, and I know there's something sprinkled in throughout this episode for everyone, so I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Melissa. And let's welcome Melissa to the It's Natural podcast, and I'll let her introduce herself further. And now from this episode's sponsor. Now that school's back in session and with busy schedules, many of us are looking for effective ways to support our health and overall wellness. And one way to support our health is by taking vitamins to help support various deficiencies caused by nutritional, environmental, physical, and mental stressors that may be placed upon our bodies. And I know it can be disheartening and confusing when you're looking into vitamins and supplements to find out that many brands use ingredients that contain fillers, GMOs, and other toxins that aren't compatible with wanting to support our overall health. And that's why my family and I use Symbiotica's vitamins. When I came across this brand a couple years ago, I truly appreciated how transparent they were with the ingredients they were putting into each vitamin and supplement. Not only did I notice a difference in how I was feeling when I was taking their vitamins, but also loved how easy they were to incorporate into my routine. So I have an on and off relationship with coffee, but one beverage I like to consistently drink is Symbiotica's Shilajit Mineral Resin. Shilajit has been around for centuries, used in Ayurvedic and Eastern medicine. Drinking Shilajit offers 86 trace minerals and antioxidants in it, while being a delicious cozy drink. And especially now with school back in session and kids and germs and sickness seem to be a magnet to each other, I love taking the vitamin C and coated silver along with the super greens just to make sure my immune system is getting the extra support it needs. And these are also great products I like to take along with us while we travel. Make sure that we are staying healthy while traveling. And a few of my other favorite products from Symbiotica that I always have in rotation is their magnesium L-theanates, their adrenal support formula, 
and then their golden mine and longevity mushrooms for brain support. Not only are Symbiotica's products effective and convenient, they also taste good, which I know can be a hurdle for some. And Symbiotica was gracious enough to offer its natural listeners a 15% discount site-wide using the code EVERGREENLIVING. Again, for 15% off site-wide, that's Evergreen Living, E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N-L-I-V-I-N-G. The key to sticking to any health and wellness routine for me is convenience and effectiveness. And I couldn't think of a more synonymous and aligned woman-led brand than Higher Dose. My love affair with Higher Dose began with their sauna blanket, which I found so effective and yet convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna packed into their high-quality sauna blanket. I still find it so convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna without the bulk of a traditional sauna unit still reaping all the benefits in my home, which makes me use it even more often as a busy mom because I can include it easily into my routine. Higher Dose is bringing at-home wellness tools using nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of feel-good chemicals, aka dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit. Even though their sauna mat was my intro into the brand, I have since fallen in love with their wide range of products and have also added them to my wellness toolbox. Their PEMF mat and red light therapy mask are one of my go-tos, along with their line of magnesium products. The magnesium gummies and bath soaks are among my favorites. And Higher Dose was kind enough to offer the It's Natural listeners 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. That's 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N. I know you'll fall in love with how easy and effective Higher Dose's products are and how you will feel afterwards. Enjoy! So my name is Melissa. I am the founder of Steamy Lit, which is an online romance bookstore that also does a subscription box called the Steam Box. And we focus on just diversifying folks' bookshelves through romance and embracing sexuality. I must ask, just getting started here, that before our chat and our conversation that a couple months ago, I went through your social for Steamy Lit and stuff. How many books a week do you read? I don't know about a week. Usually per year, I average close to 200, if not a little bit more. This year, though, it's I think it's going to be a lot less. I was just so impressed with every... I was like, wow, how does she... <laughs> it was quite impressive, all the books you were sharing. And I found it a great resource, but I was just impressed by the sheer amount and volume you were sharing. Yeah, I don't do like people ask me all the time, like, what's your hobby? And I'm like reading and they're like, <laughs> OK, like what else? And I'm like, let's say I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, if I'm like at a doctor's appointment, I always have a book with me. So those are like my little tips if you uh, want to read more. <laughs> yeah, I know. Absolutely. I love reading. It's one of my hobbies, too. Don't have as much time, but I'm trying to make that a priority, like going to bed a little bit earlier and shutting yeah. off work. and. Get in a few more pages in before I conk out. So why romantic novels? How did you get into them? Um, so this, I started the business during the pandemic. And 
And a lot of my time during pandemic was by myself because my spouse at the time was deployed. And so I just, you know, there was just a lot going on in the world. And just turning to romance was like very happy for me because there was just people falling in love and this like just universal, you know, feeling of like happiness and love. So I really turned to that. But I think from like a little, like since I was little, I always loved books that had a strong romance plot. I just didn't realize that what I loved was romance, if that makes sense. And so like when I finally like came to the light of like the whole romance genre, I was like, oh, my God. This is where I should have been this whole time. I mean, going you just listed a lot of things you were going through in such a short period of time. Did the stories kind of help generally like guide you along that time and then give you a different perspective to see because pandemic was hard, spouse gone was hard. <laughs> That's a lot to be going through. Yeah, I don't know if it gave me a different perspective. It just gave me an uh, like an avenue to escape, especially when you couldn't go anywhere, right? Like books can take you to so many different places. Um, like your imagination just kind of like goes wild with what you are reading and like what you're seeing in your mind. And so it was really more of an escape for me than anything else. You mentioned too that you started reading romance novels when you were very young. How has it changed over the years? I'm sure it's even just the last couple of years when it pops up on my Kindle, I've seen the evolution and I've just sure. seen more authors come and more diverse population and authors. Have you seen a difference since you've you know started reading them just in this storyline and then authors themselves? Yeah, so I didn't really read romance when I was young. I just like loved books that had a strong romance subplot. I really didn't like turn to romance till probably like Fifty Shades of Grey when I was like, oh, there's like a whole genre. And like then oh, is when okay. I kind of, uh -huh. yeah, then it's when I kind of realized that like it, the genre exists and like that's what I've been wanting to read. But I mean, even in the years that I've been a romance reader, there has been a shift. There has been a little bit of an evolution. I feel like there's still a ton of work to do and a ton of ways in where publishing can do a lot better in the terms of diversity and how they uplift the work of like marginalized authors. But I have seen a shift. I didn't like, I also think it's maybe it's a little different for me because I am in the book space and I review books all the time. And um, so then like I'm kind of involved to the point where I'm more aware of the things going on in publishing or like the books that are coming out than like your regular reader. So I'm not entirely sure if a, if a reader who is not so involved in the book community would notice that change. I'd be interested to know that. Yeah. And actually kind of turning it back around with you being in the book space, do you see the trouble or the issue of marginalized voice or not that, you know, just the plot lines or the storylines themselves not evolving enough or in your eyes? Do you think that's coming from the author's perspectives or is that more, again, back to the publisher needing more diverse authors? Um, so I think that there's a big problem in publishing period in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think like a survey last year said like 92% of authors that are published are white. Right. And so like, oh, wow. Yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> that's a huge problem. The scale's oh, really oh, slanted. Right. Um, and what is frustrating for me is that 
I see authors part of marginalized communities or identities who are getting published, but then now comes the problem of marketing dollars, right? And like, yeah, what what marketing dollars are being put behind what? And it's usually not your your BIPOC author, right? It's usually a white woman when mm-hmm. it comes to romance. And so those are the areas where I feel like we can still do a lot better. Do I see that there has been a shift forward in that more books are being published by black and brown people? Sure. Do I see more books that are being published by queer folks? Sure. But, but I mean, I when like it's they're... slanted that much, you know, from 90 something percent, right. that's right. still right. not enough. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, right. Like now I've come to the point where like prior to be me, Prior to me being a book reviewer and blogger, I was just a casual reader in the sense of like, I didn't really research what I was reading, right? Like I would just pick up, I would walk into Barnes and Noble or my indie bookstore and just pick up whatever's up there. Um, Or if I like see an ad about a book, right? Again, back to those marketing dollars. And Mm so I wasn't really paying attention to who was writing what stories. And when I shifted that mindset and started to be intentional about the books that I picked up, I saw the amount of books that are out there that were just not, are not in front of our face, right? Like, um, and so that, that was kind of like the mission behind building the steam box as well, that by amplifying the work of authors, part of marginalized communities or identities. Um, I am curating this box for you so you don't need to look for it. That's one thing I've been trying to be mindful myself is just looking for the diversity in authors because I was the same way. I would just pick up what was at Target, what was at, you know, our local bookstore and or the library. So yes, to be more mindful, I think just on our end. And I always go back to that at least personally for me, not it's not always possible, but to vote with my dollar. So what book I'm supporting or, you know, whether it's the grocery store or the author too that I'm picking up their book to be mindful of who I'm supporting. Yeah, I do can, that. And you do the same thing with the library too. You know, if you see a book that um you want to read that, you know, request it from your library for them to buy it. That also helps a ton for authors, it's for the publishers to see that the books are wanted, the libraries are wanting to buy it like because patrons are requesting it, right? So mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be also, you know, you purchasing, obviously that's a huge help, but like just for folks, I, I tend to forget all the time that I can use my library. And I just like to remind people like your library is there. You can ask them to buy whatever, you know, like maybe they'll listen, maybe they won't. But if they do, now you have the book for free. We're a huge fan. I always am there with my son. So and I just personally love the library. <laughs> huge fan. I was just wondering quickly, too, because I have seen that avenue open a little bit more to people has because we were talking about there for publishing and how it's so limited and are authors starting to self-publish a little bit more or is that still just not career-wise the best choice or I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be able to speak to that because I'm not an author and I yeah I have not published myself I will say that I know a ton of self-published authors who do very well mm-hmm. and whose books have sold very well. But I, I, again, right, it's one of those things where like it has to be intentional for the reader to se- seek out books that are being independently published because they don't usually have the same like marketing backup than like a traditionally published book. But 
I I feel like it it does well. Yeah, I was just I was just curious myself because I have heard that a little bit more people just talking about that. And I mean, what five to ten years ago, you never heard that. But again, yeah. you need to get in front of people, and people need to know about your book in order for it to sell. Where like did you get inspired to start Steamy Lit though? From going from your something that you are passionate about, and you like you said, reading was your hobby. How did you go from your passion and your hobby to a business? Yeah. So again, right, like that 2020 year um, but turned to romance novels a lot. And two things happened for me. One, I realized how I had to put a little bit more effort behind looking for just diversity and romance in general, as far as the books I was like buying and searching for. And then two, that like there was like a whole like sexuality component that I feel like we weren't necessarily or at least at that time, I felt like we weren't speaking about enough. And so um, I kind of made like an, uh, an off side comment, like someone should really like make a box that pairs romance books with vibrators. And my friend was like, do it. And I was like, huh, I should. And what a good just, friend. <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of how it came about. Um, I just had a desire to see how like both of those worlds can connect. And the more I'm in this space, the more I notice how much the two topics intersect as far as like reading romance, there being like stigma behind it or like a negative connotation behind it. And same thing with like just women or folks who identify as women who like we don't talk about our embracing our sexuality. We don't talk about us orgasming because like self-pleasure for women is just not okay, right? Like it's not okay for us to talk about. And so it's been really interesting to see how like both worlds intersect in a sense. It's funny. I feel like the topic of women's sexuality and also the classification of romance novels, I feel like they get the two double-edged swords. Either they're seen as silly or not as serious of, you know, either books or the authors. And then women's sexuality, it's either as silly, uncomfortable, or just bad and like right. something dirty and not okay. And in the same way with the books too. And that double stigma with women and different types of sexuality also to be explored and to be talked about and how that just actually is healthier and makes us all happy and heard people as well too yeah actually in the books like how has that evolved the different voices coming and sexuality being expressed and talked about in different ways has that evolved too in the genre of romance novels i think so i think as you know we kind of grow as a society i feel like they're and just like folks are able to just amplify their work more and have different platforms to just like tell their stories i think it has really translated into being able to learn about romance that's just not cisgendered right it's beautiful to be able to read all of these stories about just different people falling in love and it doesn't have to look exactly how maybe you fall in love but as as we all take part of like a greater society, it's like beautiful to read about just like love being love and how two people can connect in such a way. And it doesn't just have to be a man and a woman. It's funny, kind of going outside this. I forget that show. I don't know if you watched it. It was on Amazon and it was a series. I think it was a two season series. And it was looking at love and some of it was romantic, but some of it was just different types of love, whether it was family, whether one was like with the doorman, 
that she knew forever. But it was just different types of love stories. And it was just to me, like just for me, it was usually not a show I would normally watch. And Mm -hmm. it was just so important to see how much love no matter what shape or form it comes in, how impactful that is on us and our lives. Yeah. And it was just a real sweet story. But then to also have different voices and books too, I think it's just so helpful to see the LGBTQ and plus community, their voice also heard just to see sometimes the political part out of it and just to see the love in it to see a different side that you might not be used to and might not have in your vicinity not only that right but i think like especially when it comes to like politics sometimes um you know like things are skewed so much one way or the other that like the humanity behind it is like completely forgotten and i think when you're reading love stories about people who are falling in love and love being such a universal feeling that for people who are not there yet who are still Mm -hmm. working through their different phobias and being Mm -hmm. you know like I feel like being able to see to see it in a different light like you said I think it'd be really helpful to shift perspectives of people if they were only willing to open the book you know but very well said well like (laughs) that should be right there the highlight that they were only willing to open the book so true That's really beautifully put. With it coming together with your passion and in a business form, how has it helped you or has it helped you with your own sexuality? How has that evolved you having to now be a little more open and vocal just to even share about your business? You have to present you. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable too when we're sometimes only used to having our sexuality talked about with our friends, with our close ones, and not putting it out there for the public to see or sometimes judge or a lot of times judge. How's that been Um, for you? um, It's actually been a really great journey for me. I feel like um, like I'm still working through embracing my sexuality and like how it shifts as my life shifts. Mm -hmm. But I think it's been like a really beautiful journey for me. I've never really been one to shy away or like not want to talk about topics of sexuality. So like doing interviews or just like putting it out there hasn't been too much of a shift for me. But when I was married, you know, there was this um, like, how much do I share without, you know, involving my partner because my partner did mm-hmm. not, you know, is not giving their consent to share certain things or like, you know, in, in an interview, sometimes like things just come up. So you just I have to be mindful that like I can share like my journey, but I can't share another person's part of the journey. Right. And so I think that's what was a little difficult. But I think overall, like between reading romance and just like trying new things, I think that that I did this podcast the other day and we kind of talked about like how when you're reading romance and you're reading these different sex scenes or these different kinks, right? You're reading it from a safe space where like you can figure out whether it's something that like turns you on you might like you might not like you might be interested in it might be like a hard no for you right but it's like a really nice space to kind of navigate that and I feel like that has opened up a lot of that for me that's such a good I never thought of it from that perspective how you're able to analyze it and explore or not explore but you're open to that safety of that being the observer I guess in that situation 
again, that is hard when you're in your line of work too. And if you have it or your significant other is there, but not to share their, you know, information right. too. Right, right. And that equation, that's tricky. As you have now worked with several different sexual wellness brands, have you seen an evolution in those products as well? Because I know the sex toy industry is getting a shake up with a lot of women-led founders and brands coming in. Have you seen a shift in the toy industry and the products, whether that's lubes, whether that's aftercare? Yeah, I've definitely seen a um, growth in kind of what you said, right? Like, who is making the vibrators? Who is making the toys? And also like different just like technologies, different like how green they are, how eco-friendly they are, which like there's this one company that we featured before called Love Not War. And basically what they do is they have like the same battery, but you can change out the heads. So if you want to change uh it to like a bunny head or just like just vibrator, like you can change them out. So they're more eco-friendly because you're just buying the heads versus buying a battery for each one. So that's amazing. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Things like that are really evolving. Same thing like satisfiers coming out with these toys that are all app connected and within the app you can like listen to erotica and it will sync to the vibrator i haven't fully tried it yet but like you know all of these things are coming out that are so cool i feel like there's a lot of research that is being made on how people can improve products and what like what brings us the most pleasure with like scientific you know knowledge and that's really cool i mean i feel that just I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, wow, technology makes it possible. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) It really does. Have it all synced up. I mean, that's just another dinosaur industry that I've become recently aware of, too. Just sexual wellness and then the femme care aisle, just with hygiene. Just a lot of those legacy brands that haven't changed for decades. And a lot of the products aren't even safe necessarily for our bodies, especially, yeah, not (laughs) to use down there. Yikes. Yeah, but man, tech makes it possible. And I had never heard of that brand. So that's such a good idea just to keep the battery and changed. Nice little switch out. And then how has it been to work with other brands? Has that been this has there been any hard lines that have needed to be crossed or is there has it been pretty easy and seamless? No, I think I don't know if so I wouldn't say hard lines. I think one of my favorite parts has been able to work with so many different like brands and small businesses because Mm -hmm. part of the box, we also put self-care items and we try to mostly just source those from other small businesses. I think what becomes a little hard was that like at the beginning, you know, like you're not ordering as many products. How do you set up wholesale accounts? Like, where do you even buy vibrators from? So it was a a lot of like trial and error, figuring out like where I order from, how I order. And as we've grown, we've been able to establish just better partnerships with brands themselves. And it's, it's really cool to see, like we're doing two boxes with in collaboration with Satisfier and like Satisfier has been like a dream for me. And, you know, until they reached out and they're like, hey, we noticed you have a lot of our products. Like before I was only able to buy them through a distributor and now I'm buying them directly from them. So it's like those things that you see kind of evolving with your business that are like really cool little things. Yeah, congratulations. That's a Thank big you. one. A little bit of a manifestation. I think it's forgotten too, or it's lost when you're trying to start one of those companies and you're trying to get in the door. 
I don't know if you had this issue, but just sometimes the emails, how long it takes with the emails and then back and forth and how inefficient it is. Yeah. What was your biggest resource, I guess, when starting to figure out that you wanted to go into a business? Yeah, my biggest resource was probably other book box owners. There is a box called the Feminist Book Club, and I was able to talk with their founder a lot and like she really guided me through some of the things that I had no idea about. I mean, I had never like sold books. I had never had my own business. So like, I didn't even know, like, who do I buy books from? How, like, who do I reach out to, et cetera, et cetera. So she was a really good resource for me as I got started. And then a lot of it was, and I get this question a lot, like people always want to start a book box and they're like, like, how did you do it? And I'm like, honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. It was not the best way to go into business, but I knew that I wanted to do it. So a lot of it was just like cold emailing folks and being like, hey, I'm starting this book box. How do I buy wholesale from you? And, you know, it was a lot of getting rerouted until I got to the right person. And it was a lot of like follow up emails because again, right, like there's So it's a lot of that. And I I feel like as long as you're consistent with it and you know that this is who you're trying to reach, you'll get there. But it's it's hard. Like there's some days when, you know, especially when you're like really looking forward to hear from somebody and you and you don't that, you know, you get a little discouraged because there's you're trying to like establish that business relationship with them. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of learning on my end, for sure. That's such a good point, too, with the importance of trial and error, because I don't feel like that gets talked about enough in this space when you're working for yourself, because you always see the finished product and it's always with a cute little bow and you always see that going forth, but you don't see the sleepless nights, the late nights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You don't always see the blood, sweat and tears and how, and then you can just feel like hopeless too, because it's also isolating sometimes. I know you said your friends were supportive, but if you don't have that community or they don't understand your vision, right. how yeah. I have seen a lot of opinions come in and then people get discouraged and very right. easily. And I was like, no, keep going. You got it. What is yeah. some opinions that you've had on? Has it been all positive or has there been some pushback from those surrounding you? I don't have pushback, but again, right? Like I feel like you have to be careful about who you ask for mm-hmm. suggestions, for opinions. I think like, as humans, we want to get like reassurance a lot. And, you know, we seek that from our friends and family and maybe even other people within our communities. And we tend to ask the same question to 10 different people. And guess what? All those 10 different people are going to have a different answer. But who has experience in that space? Right. Yeah. And I, re- I recently told this to a friend who is going through his own like small business journey and he's asking a lot of people who have never had a small business right and and I told them like it's given it's human nature to want like that reaffirmation that like you're in the right track you're doing something but like now you're at a point where everyone's giving you conflicting opinions so now you feel conflicted because how do you move forward right when like only two of those people have businesses or like you know like whatever it is so I I definitely think that like when and it's something I learned. I was the same way when like I first started the business, I was like telling everybody about everything I was doing. And then everybody was giving me something back. At the end of the day, I still ended up doing whatever the hell I wanted to do. <laughs> so like, you know, and but there, you go through that period of like, who do I listen to? And like self-doubt, you know, so just like be intentional about the people that you reach out to, like 
know know what they can bring to your table that can in form of suggestions or opinions will be beneficial to you instead of setting you back. That, yeah, that's great advice. What have you seen or noticed in yourself that's been your biggest evolution in, you know, listening to yourself on this journey? I think self-assurance. Again, right, like at the beginning of this, I feel like I needed to, I was scared to make the decisions by myself. Mm -hmm. And it's still scary, right? I don't have a partner in this. So I make all the decisions myself. And that can be really scary, especially at the beginning, because like you don't want to fail. You want to succeed. You don't know what, and you are going to make the wrong decision sometimes. And that's okay. Like that's where you grow from, you know, as long as you learn, you assess and you grow from it, I think that you're going to be okay. Um, I think the people who have trouble with that are people who are not willing to accept the mistake, the learning curve, etc. And so now that, you know, I've been in this like two and a half years, I definitely have a lot more like self-assurance and I trust myself a lot more where like two years ago I was not at that place where I trusted myself and it's it's a really great feeling when you know that at the end of the day like you're gonna be okay because you made that decision you didn't make it based off of somebody else that's really a beautiful journey that reassurance that you've had and I can see it just when you're talking you really exude that so much but I think that's an important factor too to know your voice but not also that people pleasing. I think a lot of people have been, I don't know, I guess how that can get away of the vision, especially how you were saying your friend, if he's asking for people who have never done a business on your own and maybe they don't even know how to set up a budget, but they're giving you business advice. It's also to know exactly who sure. you're asking to and also what advice you're soliciting. It's hard. It's hard to have a business on your own, especially Very. if you're working full time. How do you help support yourself on those off days? Is there any tips that you've come across? Because you said two and a half years now. I'm sure you've had many of those. Yeah, I'm actually trying to just like balance my life out a little bit more because between like my regular job and Steamy Lit, I end up not turning off at all. And, you know, that causes burnout and that's not great for anybody. So, you know, I've been trying to like limit myself on like, I'm only going to work after I get off of work. I'm only working on this for X, Y, and Z hours. And then like, unless it's really important, I'll come back to it again tomorrow. Um, because you have to set those boundaries because you also need to take care of yourself. You can't just like work, work, work. You need to feel your body. You need to feel yourself. Something that I've been trying out lately is like signing up for different classes. Like Groupon had like a Groupon for pole dance, um, a Groupon for like salsa class. And so I've just like been signing up for different types of classes to just like move my body, get away from the house more because between working from home and like having the business here, I never leave my house. You know, just know that things are still going to be there. Like, I'm not saying don't grind because especially at the beginning, you know, you're trying to see your 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 baby succeed. So like, it's going to be hard to turn it off, but you don't want to get to the point where like you hate what you've created because you have burned yourself out. So I think that that's what was important to me. I was getting to a point where like I was just kind of like not negative, but just like, 
oh, I have to pack boxes today or, oh, I have to fulfill orders or, oh, I have to do this. And when I started noticing myself do it, I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back. Like I need to refuel my soul, myself, something, because like I love what I do, but I've been doing it for so hard for so long without like stopping that it's come to a point where like now I'm feeling negative feelings towards it. So I had to like reel it back to kind of set those boundaries. That's another conversation that needs to expand is on burnout because I don't know if you feel the same way. You might not. But when I see it displayed or talked about, it's always just this one formula. And I think one of the biggest missing pieces, especially for creative individuals, whether you're an entrepreneur or just in a creative line of work, when you're burnt out, you have no creativity. Like, and just even your problem solving skills are, and the creative ways to tackle them too are just gone as well. I don't Absolutely. know if you've seen that when you're burnt out. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, you know, like I mentioned, I like review books and the book blogging and stuff, and like accumulation of all of it was just like, I just had no energy for any of it. And I had no creativity on creating anything new or because like I was just so burned out in so many different ways. And I've noticed that as I've started to kind of like just take a step back and just like focus on some other areas of my life, I have been able to kind of like start regaining that creativity little by little. I think when you're reaching those points, like just change something that you're doing, even if it's just for a little bit to see like what what that sparks in you. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just curious to to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit when you were saying one of your first, you know, when we were talking about first getting into romance novels, Mm -hmm. what was the book that you just fell in love with? It was just maybe you've gone back to it a few times. What was the book that just sparked, ignited you? I don't reread books. And that's because (laughs) I have this deep fear of dying before I read all the books I need to read. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to read them all. But so I don't reread books. But Uh I feel like obviously like Harry Potter was a huge, um, was a huge series for me. It was something Mm -hmm. that like, just really kept me going especially when I first moved to the states like I could get lost in this like magical world where I didn't have to um worry too much about um like being the girl that just moved from Peru you know so that was probably a really big series for me and then the Chronicles of Narnia too and then there is what's her name I think her name is Luther McDaniel maybe she used to write these or she still does I don't know these books that were all centered around these kids who had cancer and like kids fell in love in like the in the cancer hospital and then like They fell in love. Uh, Somebody usually died. I have no idea why these were so popular when we were teens. But like that love story had me on like a death grip. Like I was so I remember my mom walking in on me once and I was like sobbing and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, died. And she's like, who died? And I'm like, in the book. And the book is like, you know, there are those like smaller paperbacks with like the really brown pages and like it's just soaked with my tears. <laughs> and I have no idea why we were reading that. But you know, I'm just picturing myself though. Like I can only imagine how you would get so swept and like 
caught up in those books. I don't. Did they make a movie off of one of them? No, I think I you're thinking of Watch to Remember. I'm not sure of a series, but I do remember hearing. Yeah, and I can just imagine at that age. But I mean, it does go votes for how you know books are really can transport you. I especially at that time period and age and you were mentioning that you moved from peru like i like how you just mentioned that like just briefly like (laughs) it was nothing that's a huge upheaval and especially at that time yeah when you're that age there's so much going on so just the importance of having that escape just reminiscing a little bit just how kids don't have that as much i feel like now just with and i don't want to vilify it because we all use it but just the use of social like how you don't have that you know your imagination even though you're reading a book you're being taken on a story and a journey and just that beauty that your imagination plays to that and i kind of feel that might be a little bit lost i'm sure there i know there's avid readers still and they can still take that journey but just and even myself are guilty you know you choose sometimes the work or the yeah. the screen time over the book. So now that you have a business set up, are there other genres of books that you will read or find resources in? Or, I mean, you there's also just a limited amount of time, but right. in a day um, to read so much. Yeah, I love to read fantasy a lot too. Sometimes just like just fiction in general. It just depends. I'm, I'm a big mood reader, so it just depends on like, what I'm in the mood for, what I'm feeling. But it definitely gets a little bit harder because when I feel like I'm on a deadline as far as like what picks are we putting in the box, you know, I feel like I need to finish picking those before I like read something that I like just want to read for reading. But yeah, and then as far as just like, I guess resources, I, you know, I've read a couple of books or a book about like sex and sexuality in general, but I'm actually going back to school to do like a second bachelor's on women, gender and sexuality, just because I feel like a lot of that will really like resonate and like be really good for the kind of conversations that I'm having a lot of. Um, I get a lot of questions about just like sexual wellness in general. I'm not an expert, right? I just like talk about my what I know from experience but I don't have any like actual formal schooling or anything so I just want to um, like learn more about these topics because I am so embedded in the community now. That's a good point to have the actual backing when you're speaking but I think part of the conversation in that space is so beneficial because it's so limited And I think that's where women get curious or ask questions a little bit more when they finally see like, oh, somebody else is okay with their sexuality or going a little bit different way or doing something a little bit different in their lives. And yeah, I can see how you probably get inundated with those different physical questions about more, yeah, physicality of it all. Congratulations for going back to school. That's a exciting jump. Thank you. When are you Um, starting on that? This week. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. How are you doing on sleep and time? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So I'm actually, you know, people ask me this all the time. They're like, when do you sleep? And actually, if there's one thing that's sacred in my life is sleeping, like I will get at least seven hours of sleep a night. Like I will not. And I've learned that the long or I guess the hard way, just because when I've pushed myself and obviously there are some nights when like, you know, like 
I just, I just don't. But for the most part, like sleep is such an essential need for me so that I can be at my best. I, I have to. I, they're like, I'm doing it no matter what. So if there's one thing people never have to be concerned about is the amount of sleep. Now in the, I don't know, it's 16 hours that I'm awake. Am I stressed the fuck out? Probably. But will I get my seven hours of sleep? I will absolutely get my seven hours of sleep. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's pivotal. It's yeah. pivotal. I've done the exact same thing where, yeah, gone very little. Again, it was school, starting work, having a baby who also didn't sleep. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I'm just like going, oh, that was a spiral. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other tools that you keep in your toolbox to help you with those times? Yes, you were mentioning that stress is part of your life, but how do you help yourself to recover or just support yourself even when you know, you know, this is just how the day is shaping out? How do right. you try to support yourself? Making sure I eat, making sure I take my anxiety meds, making sure I sleep. And for me, like lists are a big thing. Like I have to write down what I need to take care of and then just kind of prioritizing from there. Like, you know, if I have a deadline sooner than another, like making sure that I know like when things need to get done and then asking for help. I think that that has been really hard for me as starting you know, the business on my own and realizing that I don't have to do it all on my own. You know, there are people who I can, I brought on people to my team, but it took me a little bit to get there to like trust people to like fully take function of different aspects of the job. And obviously like that also comes with privilege, right? Because like the first year and a half, I wasn't able to do that. So like, you know, and when I wasn't able to do that, it was like prioritizing like, OK, you know, put an automatic message for your customers that say like you'll get back to them within seven to business, seven to ten business days or whatever it is. Right. So that they know that the message was received and then you can like work through those and just like different things like that. I feel like there's so many tools out there that, you know, if you have social media like Facebook and Instagram now let you do like let you schedule your posts like you and that's a free tool if you want to pay for it there's tools like sprout social where you can schedule and see different things so like oh it's one of those things where like for me if another thing gets added to my plate i get even more stressed right so like thinking about having to research social media tools was like an added stressor but it was like one of those things where i needed to realize that like Yes, but when I'm able to pick one and like schedule out posts, then I don't need to, you know, like worry about that. Like I can take care of it in two hours for the week and then we're good. So just little things like that. It's interesting how it doesn't get talked about too, like just the learning curve. So even if you're doing a new business and going in business for yourself where it is something that you're passionate about, but just the little avenues that you don't realize that you're having to learn and how much of your time will be just to learn. Right. Yeah, I just don't, again, I, I don't think that's an issue that a lot of people talk about. I love that tip though, you know, just how important it is to find those resources because they'll find, you know, pay off in the long run. What other tips do you have for those who are going into business for themselves? I'm not entirely sure. I think definitely, you know, like figuring out what free resources are there and there are some you know I feel like that's a big one and then just really doing research before you like 
start your venture. Like, and that's not to like discourage you, but like, okay, is someone else doing what you are wanting to do? How can you make your product different? How can you make the experience different? Okay, you're going to sell XYZ. Are you making it? Where are you sourcing from? How do you source? Get an accountant for the love of God. Like, I know that it's an expense, but they're so worth it. Like, it's one major thing that you don't have to worry about. And like, you know, your bookkeeper and your accountant, those are, that's like an investment I made really early on because I had to like submit my own like taxes every quarter to the state of California. And I was like, I'm going to go to jail because I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, and like reach out to other people within your own community. Like you would be so surprised to see how helpful other business owners that are in that same space you know, set up coffee with them, do a Zoom chat, you know, create and build on those like relationships because they can be so helpful. I mean, even I haven't done it here in, in Florida, but when I was in California, you know, even creating um, like a relationship for me with like the independent one of the independent romance bookstores and like how can we help each other? Right. So like you know, it was always talked about between us, like, if you need stock of XYZ, like, and I have it, you know, let me know, or just like things like that, like, cultivate and build those relationships with those people who are in your same, really in your same community, because it can be so helpful. Absolutely. I think they can truly kind of almost the reversal of how when you're asking people who aren't in this industry at all, or an entrepreneur at all, they don't get it. But those who are in your field or in your range, they usually are, I think, very sympathetic to yeah. what you're going through and completely sure. understand how hard it is. And yeah, just more seats at the tables to, you know, make it a bigger industry for everyone. Okay. And then you've mentioned too, I just would be remiss if I didn't ask, what are your tips for hiring when you are expanding and you're at that point where financially you're able to hire? What are some tips mm -hmm. for your newest hires? So I hire as contractors because we're not in a space where we can have like employees on payroll, I guess. But I, my prior work, like in college, I was a manager at Foot Locker. So I did a lot of hiring then. So a lot of those skills really like helped me kind of like weed through resumes and just see what the best fit for us was. There are people who had perhaps more experience, but like once you did an interview, you just get more like a better fit for you and for the culture of what you're building. And sometimes, you know, if it's not if it's a job that's teachable, you know, maybe be open to hiring someone who maybe has less knowledge, but like you feel fit well with like how you work and how the company runs, right? Like ways to go, at least for me on what else, just because the jobs I've hired are like minimal and very part-time, but definitely, you know, make sure that you're asking the right questions make sure that you are like researching like what people are hiring for, what like maybe other people within your same like network are looking for and then there's also back to like building those relationships right like there's always somebody who knows somebody who might be a great fit for you so like you know make sure you are letting the people 
who you are communicating with that are in your industry know that you're looking for someone. I liked how you were mentioning too that you don't have to hire full time. I again, I don't think that's talked about enough. And to hire out to contractors, especially if you're getting started, and whether the finances are there or you're just not wanting to make a co- commitment to a full time employee, that's really helpful to go down that route. And I was just wondering. I know there's a little bit of a debate right now about education versus personality when hiring. What is your take on that? Like, is it both or is it have you found one to be more beneficial? Because I know some don't even look at the education portion of a resume anymore. I personally don't. I have not looked at like I couldn't even tell you what any of the folks who work at Simulate, like what their level of education is. But I yeah. think I also come from a space where I worked a lot because I had to pay for my own things to be able to attend college. And then I joined the Navy to pay college, right? So like, I also come from a place where like, college was never a for sure thing for me, because I needed to pay bills. And so work experience was more important. So sure, as someone who has now done an undergrad and going for like a second bachelor's, like I understand the importance and what's the word the like discipline that you need to have to finish school right but I also Mm -hmm. know that there are people like me who like school always kind of came in second because you needed to work so like I think that when I look at resumes I'm looking more for what you can bring to to the company versus like what your education has been like if you know worked or have only worked but all of your background or you've been working in the social media space for the past 10 years but you don't have a degree you know there I feel like there are just things that in general like you don't necessarily you could have learned on the job so I think also be open to that and I think as a society we've kind of like drifted from that like you need a degree I feel like there's been a lot of like more not importance, but like there's also been a focus on like other jobs that are like more technical, right? That don't like you don't need a four year degree, which is great. And so, yeah, like maybe not always focus on, you know, unless you need someone who is certified for something, then like obviously don't take my advice. But like you need an assistant, you need someone for social media, you need someone with like your business development, like. I was just curious on your stance, but I was the same way. I worked several jobs at a time while I was going to school. And the importance of that kind of teaches you grit, but then you never know. Like you mentioned Foot Locker that you worked at, and I had several from restaurant jobs. Yeah, it's quite the gamut from nannying and all that. But you never know where your journey is going to end up. I do see the importance of working with people having that down because that's something I don't know there's just something to it that you don't learn in college just the finesse of it or reading your environment in your room right. and what people are yeah that you're talking to and that's kind of repertoire that you build up just from that interaction to so to wrap up this interview I thought it'd be fun to just segue into a couple rapid fires if you're okay. up game for it let's do, let's do it 
I'm not, I'm like, okay, keep it rapid. Uh, I'm not, I'm so bad at that part. What's your favorite all time product, holy grail product that you've had and that you keep rebuying? It can be anywhere from a household or personal. That I keep rebuying. I would say yes. the Tatcha uh, brand for skincare, they're like moisturizer and they're like plumping toner is uh, like I've bought it way too many times. It is a little pricey, but it's so worth it. That's a good one. That's a good one. I know we touched upon it really quickly, but I wanted to see what was your favorite way to recoup or restore after a long day? Reading. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Right on topic. All right. And then favorites, free resource or podcast or advice that has really stuck with you? Free resource. There's actually a really good online training from, I think it's Rachel Cargill. And she talks about like our biases. And I think when, I think we all have them. Um, and it's a great it's like a quiz and like you walk through it. It was really great to do. And I think it would, it's a very valuable resource for people. Sometimes you don't even realize the biases that you're holding. And I think the thing that I would say is like, if you are getting defensive, there's something you're like coming up against that you have to work through and it's okay, right? Um, Just work through it instead of like getting defensive and walking away. Is that the one? I don't know if she's done a newer one. Did it come out like a couple years ago? It was yeah. a really good one. Yeah, I, yeah, that was. And yeah, she has so many great resources. And before I let you go, could you tell everyone how to sign up for Steamy Lit and then where to find you on social? Sure. If you go to steamylit.com, you can shop all of our products or boxes. For those who like to read a like younger romance, we're coming up with our YA box here this summer. And then on social, we are at Steamy Lit at the Steambox Co. And my own like book review is Book Ranks by Mel. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you for Thank your time. You. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining me in this conversation. I really appreciated your time and talking to you. It was so helpful and valuable for me as well, and I know our audience too. Melissa's information and Steamy Lit's information will all be linked in the show notes. And if you find value in this conversation and in this podcast, please rate and review as it is the easiest way to help us grow. Also, if you would like to suggest any further guests you would like to hear or contribute some conversation topics that you would like to hear about, please leave those in the comment sections as we do always read your comments. And I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Bye.